All right. Good morning. Let it, let's start opening with prayer. Lord, I thank you for your love and guidance. I pray, Lord God, that every word from my mouth would be ordained by you. And if I should attempt to speak anything that you do not want me to speak, Lord, put a watch of my mouth, lest I sin against you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So last week we talked about our assignment and the need to find our individual assignments. And this week we're going to start in Genesis. Um, so it's Genesis 1, the very beginning. In the beginning. Uh, it's Genesis 1, 26-31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heaven and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day today the title is our divine purpose so we each have our own individual assignments which is the purpose for our individual life but we have an overall purpose um, for our life that is our divine purpose from God now, I have heard from the pulpit uh, different reasons and purposes for the creation of man. And I have never heard it said the way that I'm going to bring it to you today. Although it is clearly in scripture that we just read. So, the two words that I want to um, bring to attention are subdue it. That's going to be one word in the, in the Hebrew. And dominion. The, those, are, those are the key words of, of, of this sermon. Um, I have heard that mankind was created for... These are the different ones that I've heard from other, other people, other pastors. So I've heard that mankind was created for the following reasons. And while each one of these is true, it is not the main purpose, which is actually missing from this list. So one was that God wanted family. Um, the scripture that, that, uh, this comes from is Ephesians 2.19, which I don't, I didn't, these, these scriptures I didn't, I didn't put up. Um, the second reason that I've heard is that we are made in God's image, which is just in the verses that we just, uh, read before in Genesis 1.27. Uh, the other reason that I've heard that mankind was created was for an eternal relationship with God, which is true. Um, John 14. The other one is that we are intended to live an abundant life. I hear this all the, I hear that all the time, which is true. And it's John 10, 10. And that we were created to multiply and expand and fill the earth. And that's Genesis 1, 28 and Genesis 22, 17. After the flood, uh, it talks about it again. 
that he gives the, the mandate again to, to multiply, live fruitful and multiply, multiply. But what is the directive from God in the scripture that we just read? Mankind was created. Why? In Genesis 1, 26 through 31, God created the garden of the, the garden in the earth. So he created the earth and then he created the garden. Now the garden is a specific place because the garden was um, walled off by angels that guarded it, by swords that guarded it um, when they were kicked out of the garden after the, after the fall of man, after the sin. And so, <clears throat> but what he, that's passage, when you read that passage, it becomes very clear why he created man. He created us to tend the garden, to tend the earth. So if we zero in on verse 28, it might help us to understand our understand a little bit better our purpose. And it may not seem at first glance as if these two words have anything to do with the garden, but I'm going to show you how these words are connected. So dominion, and I, and I don't know Hebrew, so I'm not even going to try and tell you what the Hebrew word is. There was only one occurrence of this specific Hebrew word being used in the Bible, and its meaning is to tread down, reign, subjugate, rule, or take. So dominion means to tread down, rule, subjugate, reign, or take dominion, take something. Subdue it, to subdue it. Uh, there was one occurrence, but uh, of this Hebrew word that, that means subdue it um, in English, and its other meanings are to bring into bondage, to force, to keep under, or to bring under sub subjection. Because if you think about it, think about dominion and subduing it, those sounds like more judicial, more governmental. So we need to need to be keeping that in mind. So that's because that's what they mean is they, they mean like reigning and forcing and very legislative words, right? So we are for all intents and purposes to have dominion and subdue the earth. And think about what this means to be a gardener. So when we, if you've ever been, a, if you've ever gar done any gardening, we tread down or we stomp down, making things firm. This is similar to making a law. So we're making a firm stand, right? Because we don't want the plants, to, if, if the plants are in loose soil, they'll come out. All it's going to take is some water or some wind and it'll knock the plant over, out of the bed or whatever, wherever it is. As a gardener, we force the plants to go in the direction that we want. We tie them back. This is like redirection in the law. So redirecting through the law would, would look like the, the law is written this way, but we want to change it a little bit. So we might change the law just a little bit to, to kind of tweak it and make it better. Um, make it better for, for everyone. Closing loopholes, things like that. We propagate new plants. So when we propagate new plants, it's like making a new law. We're making a new plant. We're making a new law. So that, that I wanted to, I'm kind of wanting to get the parallels for you today. The reason why when, when, he, when he says take dominion of the garden, it's not just the garden. It is very legislative and governmental. <clears throat> so when we crossbreed plants, to create new varieties. This is establishing new law from old law or updating the laws. 
when we weed the bad plants out, we're removing simple things and, and or people from the population. This is this is um, this is a corrections part of of it. Um, we trim back and prune plants uh, sometimes to all the way to the stubs. Like you can take a you can take a rose bush and get, take it all the way down to almost the root, and it will come back flourishing better than it ever looked before. This is correction of the law. Or of the people we cover them and protect them from frost because the law is to protect the people correct or it should be you know sometimes it doesn't but it should be that's what it's supposed to be for and here's the thing when I was when I when God started talking to me about this he was talking to me about um, <clears throat> the parallels of gardening and he was talking to me about about the law and I kept hearing unrighteousness, unrighteousness. And, and, and so he was trying to emphasize to me that there is unrighteousness in the law, and that's where we've gotten off the track with the laws in this country, and that we have so many rules and laws and, and that, are, that some of them have become ridiculous and redundant, and, and it's because we haven't had righteous leaders. So all of these things are ways to subdue and ha or have dominion over a garden, and they are also ways to create a government. So God created his law in the Old Testament in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He showed us how to create government. This was our guideline to how to create government. And this is how many governments ha have been based in God's principles and, and, and most of them from, from the Bible. So we only get morality. You only have morality if there is a God. If there is no God, then morality is relative to whatever you think it is then you have no actual morality because everybody's going to have their own idea that means that a rapist could say that it's okay to do that a murderer could say that it's okay to do that because his morality says that it is so without god and god's laws we have no real morality which most of our laws are based in so he was showing us how to create a government. He had the Levites who were the priests or in the governmental positions would be because the, the priests said that you were clean or unclean. So the priests and my, and my thought of this would be almost like the police. So they're saying you are, you are right or you are wrong. He told Moses to appoint judges and to govern the people. So the judges are just like judges today. They, they made rulings for over, over whether or not the law was being followed or not. And the judges were the gatekeepers. So the judges stayed at the gates. They, they, that's, where they, that's where they did their business, was at the gates of the cities, where the, was where the, the judges went. And that's where they, they did their judicial proceedings. Uh, that's just a side note. So later the people cried out and asked for a king over them, like they wanted a king, like all the other nations. So God created government and intended for us, his people, to be in the government. This is where a lot of places, a lot of churches will differ from what I'm getting ready to say. So you'll have two different thoughts. Is One is the church should never vote. We should not be involved in government. And then you have ones that are looking at the Bible and they're saying the whole Bible is full of God's laws and him telling us to go out and disciple nations you can't disciple nations without being in the government. So like I said before, this is part of Seven Mountains thought 
is that we have church, family, and these two things are intertwined with each other, but then we have business, media, news, arts, entertainment, government, and did I say business? Okay, and business. Okay, so you have all of these. The church is supposed to prepare you to, one, raise your family in the way that God wants it. God says that, that we should. God, father, mother, children, raise them under righteous morality laws. And then the church is supposed to teach all of these people, all of our families, to go out into the world and to go into business and news and media and arts entertainment, education, that was the one I forgot, education and business. So we're supposed to go into these environments and I, as the, as, as the pastor, is supposed to encourage you to make sure that we elect, vote for righteous people so that we have God's laws in this country. That's why we were talking about prayer in school and, you know, that, that, that we needed to bring that back. That's kind of what, where we're going with this today. So our, our job is to tend the garden. And part of tending that garden is to go out and create government, uh, create government by electing righteous people into those government positions. The word in the Greek for church is, now it's, I've heard two different pronunciations. It's either ecclesia or ecclesia. And I'm not sure which one of them is correct because I don't speak Greek. So what you need to know is it means church body, but it also means legislative body. So when they're talking about the church, they're talking about a legislative body that creates laws because this is, this is God's government, right? And so the church is supposed to be the lawmakers. The righteous were intended to be the rulers of the nations. And these are the, which is the, the sheep nations that was spoken of in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Do I have that? Yes. Okay, so Matthew 25, 31 through 46, we'll talk about in just a minute. One of the things that I wanted to bring up at this point was that when you hear pastors, and I hear this all the time, so when you have a church that doesn't believe in, in voting, doesn't believe, believe that we're supposed to go out into, into government, arenas, you'll hear them trot out Romans 13.1, which says, everyone must submit himself to governing the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, and the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, the governing authority was meant to be a righteous leader and not a demonically inspired one, which is a lot of the ones we have right now. And it is why MLK Jr. scripturally understood that civil disobedience was needed and not a sinful act. So we have a lot of pastors that were part of the civil rights movement that went out there and was fighting for, for civil rights. And they did it in civil disobedience because they knew this. They understood that we are supposed to be in the government. We are supposed to be making the laws. We are supposed to be able to vote. We are supposed to be able to to do these things because that is the mandate that God has talked to us about. That's what is the whole book. If you read the entire Bible, it is throughout the entire Bible, legislative, judicial, governmental. It keeps popping up over and over and over again. 
Now, you've been given the scriptural context to understand why the church should be voting for righteous leaders. We should raise righteous leaders and, and, and be, we should be talking about righteous leaders. For me, that is detrimental to, to our stance as, as a people, as a church. We should be encouraging you to go out and look at the candidates and say, I want righteous candidates because that's what God wants. These are the ones that are going to bring in laws that are supposed to be in, set in place. So Matthew 25, 31. Yeah. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to, to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or clothe you, or, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Since we're looking at the scripture today and talking about purpose, I want to tell you about how this verse that I just read, these verses, sorry, verses that I just read became relevant to me just this week. So on Monday of last week, I went to, uh, I started calling uh, domestic violence shelters, and on Monday, I went and took the first load. So I actually, there was more than 20, there was less than 30, but more than 20 bags of clothes, shoes, accessories, and whatnot that I divvied up into, I only got two of the, the shelters to call me back. I called five. Two of them called me back. And of those two, both of them said, yes, we would, we would love to, um, to take donation, a donation of clothes and, and stuff from, from your shop. So I had just dropped off the first load at, the fir- at, at one of the domestic violence shelters, and I was pulling away from the building. And when I was pulling away, I heard the Lord say, this is what it means when I said I was naked and you clothed me. As you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
and it tore me up because I, that was it became this scripture became alive to me in that moment. Our main purpose is to tend the garden, to govern the earth and the nation, and to feed, to clothe, to shelter, to care for the sick and the imprisoned stranger. It's the stranger. He's not saying he didn't say in here that we did it to our for our friends who were sick, imprisoned or naked or starving. He said the stranger. And that's what got me. That's that's when it really like it came to to life in me. Not your brothers, not your sisters, but the strangers. This is our overall purpose. So we're going to play the closing song today. And if you have prayer needs, you can come up front. You can raise your hand. I'll be happy to pray with you. Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, I ask you, Lord, to bless our days. Keep us safe and watch over us. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for all of the tithes and offerings that are received throughout the weeks. Bless the ministries that we are sowing into and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. I thank you, Lord God. For all that you are doing for this church and for the growth and your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.